0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top Producing Zone podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael
1: Jinn. And I'm Shane Carvalho.
0: And Shane and I are super thrilled today to have an amazing guest, Anthony Nelson, on today's show. Anthony is a real estate agent and active investor based in the Central Valley area of California. He's built out a portfolio of short-term rentals for himself in Lodi, as well as Cabo. He's the founder of DNA Home Solutions, and being someone who works a a full-time job, plus being a real estate agent, plus being an investor, plus having a family. And if you see him in person, he looks like he can bench a small car. I think it's safe to say Anthony knows a thing or two about what it takes not only to build a successful business, but also balance that with the demands of family and life. So Anthony, we are super thrilled to have you on with us today. And we're excited to kind of dig into your journey a little bit more.
2: Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Like we talked about, like you have a day job you've been an agent for you said twelve years now, and then you got into investing. um I saw one of your reels the other day where you talked about kind of the epiphanies you've had in your journey, going from employee to entrepreneur, so like maybe we 'll start there, like walk us through that a little bit. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah,
2: so um you know my journey i started um say twelve years ago. Um, I didn't know anything about real estate. I don't come from a family of agents or investors or, um, you know, when I graduated high school, you know, of course you drive down the street and you're in your hometown and you see houses and you're like, okay, that's cool. But, you know, never once the thought crossed my mind like, hey, I could sell that. But um, yeah, my mom bought her first house um, when I got out of high school back in uh, 2009, 2010, she bought it actually. Um, but 2009, I started looking. And uh, since she traveled so much, I was always out with the real estate agent. And so, you know, I would drive around with him and we would look at houses. I'm like, this is a pretty cool, chill gig. And so once we actually found the house and my mom purchased it, I'm like, I can do this. So I was just starting out in um, college after I just graduated high school. And so um, I just took some classes on the side. Um, you know, the course, of course my real estate principles practice and my elective course. Yeah along with my other workload because uh, at the time I was actually going to school to be a veterinarian.
0: Um, oh, wow. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I loved animals. Honestly, I didn't really, uh, I am a was kind of an introvert where like, I didn't really care for people too much. And so like I'm just going to work with animals.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Either that or it could have been an engineer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's the shots fired at the engineers. We're early. This is early for him on an
1: episode. <laughs> I'm just saying, no, just, you know, being introverted, but no, Michael's not. I just, it's the only thing I got on him. He's way smarter than I am.
2: (laughs) I was talking to Michael the other day a little bit and he was like, yeah, I'm an introvert and I'm an engineer and, uh, you know, we get a bad rep.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, he's finally breaking the mold. Pretty amazing, actually.
2: (laughs) But uh, yeah, so as I went to school and, um, you know, I did my schooling and things like that, um, what probably killed my veterinarian dreams I would say it would be organic chemistry. Oh,
1: um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what killed my pre-med dreams. <laughs> that is hilarious. I was just going to say chemistry. Yeah. That's what killed That's what killed it for me. <clears throat> that's so funny you say that.
2: Yeah, it's crazy because, like, you know, I was actually a semester away from going to UC Davis. I had gotten all my classes done. Um, and, you know, I was, you know, not maybe not the smartest person in the classroom. Like, I wasn't getting straight A's, but, you know, I was, I was doing all right. But uh, organic chemistry came along and it kicked my butt. So that's when I kind of had a, you know, a mindset change. I'm like, I need to do something where I can at least succeed and not feel like I'm getting beat up every day. So uh, that right there started my long journey of what do I want to do? But at that time, I was already a real estate agent. Um, And being an agent was nice because what it allowed me to do was I get to um, pretty much make my own schedule. I didn't have to work a nine to five if I didn't want to. And so that allowed me to, um, once I actually transferred over to Sac State, I joined a fraternity, you know, partied here and there. When I needed money, I would go sell a house. So it was easy. Um, so, but once I graduated, I graduated with a finance degree uh, with emphasis in real estate and land use. And so right out the gate, um, I actually got a job for working for the state at Caltrans. So still following along with that real estate, um, I'm actually a real estate agent for the state to where... We uh, purchase property for eminent domain, highway projects, whitening roads, that type of stuff. So um, still following along with that whole real estate trend, um, still a real estate agent in terms of, uh, you know, working for the state, which is actually kind of cool. Cause uh, you know, sometimes I go out to meet with property owners, I'm like, you could tell me no, but it's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, when I have a bad day in my regular real estate world, I just go to work and I'm like, you can't tell me no. So that's a nice feel. <laughs>
1: That was really nice.
2: (laughs) But um, yeah, so uh, I've always wanted to do real estate investing, Um, just never the opportunity came about. And, you know, back when I started real estate, there wasn't as much knowledge and information that there is now and and as easily obtainable because, you know, we can just jump on the internet these days and there's YouTube and Instagram and gurus, you know, dropping knowledge and gems like all day long. But back when I started in 2010, like, you know, we barely had, I mean, heck, I was on MySpace. And so, like, you know, there wasn't That's something I haven't available. heard in
0: a while. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so there wasn't something readily available to just be able to go online and, you know, obtain information and knowledge. Like, we had the, you know, dictionaries and encyclopedias and things that we had to scroll through like that to find information. So it's just a lot easier these days, um, especially for this generation where they're growing up with internet and handheld, pretty much handheld internets in their phones. And, um, you know, information is just right there at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how my, you know, starting of my journey from out of, you know, high school till now. Um, and, you know, we started, we've been investing now for about three years. And so that's kind of, you know, how I started.
0: That's, that's really cool. And I, it's, it's interesting. Like I didn't realize uh, not to take us off on too big of a tangent, but I didn't realize the three of us all had some type of, uh. Uh, a medical thread going on because I, I mean, I was an engineer, but I was, uh, I also kind of went down the pre med track. Shane, I, f- I guess I forgot that you kind of went down the pre med track. Well,
1: I, well, it's funny because I ended up going to junior college instead of going straight to the four year. And um, I had my mindset because I was an athlete in sports medicine. I was excited about that. And it's interesting because I literally was going to say that chemistry destroyed me. So then I shifted to business and I was an honor student. I went sense. from struggling in the sciences to, but it's interesting because my daughter wants to be a veterinarian and she's a senior in high school now. But, you know, Davis obviously is a target. So she's wanted to be a veterinarian since she was little. And so hopefully that'll, you know, pan out for her. That's tough. But yeah, like organic chemistry. Actually, the I forget what the first chemistry was, but the chemistries are just not, not good.
0: Yeah, I, I made a face earlier when you, guys, when you guys were talking about like how you guys didn't like organic chemistry. I was like, I don't know if I should say this, but I'll say this. I actually really loved organic chemistry. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Then he wonders why he gets the engineer jab. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Anthony's in the background. He's like, nerd, nerd, know, kind of nerd, nerd, nerd.
0: That's what everybody's <laughs> thinking right now. I'm thinking of myself. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, Anthony, it's it's interesting. You talk about kind of how readily available information is today versus kind of when you first started. So to me, that really indicates like, you know, you have to be really driven to kind of go back then and like, go find the information that you really need. So I'm kind of curious, man, like what, what would you say like drives you on a daily basis to just continue to keep wanting to get better, to learn more?
2: What's your why? Uh, so back then, you know, to be hundred percent honest with you, like (laughs) I didn't have that drive. Um, I feel like if I did, I probably would have started investing a lot sooner. Okay. But, um, you know, as I get older and of course, hopefully wiser, um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, that drive um, really for me is I'm really looking for that knowledge to be able to pass on to my family because I am kind of one of the first um, people in my family that that turning point to where I don't just go to my nine to five job. And that's all I do, Um, because, you know, they drill that into us to where like you go to school, you get good grades, you get a job and you go, you know, work for someone else nine to five and you do that for 30 years and then you retire. Um, I'm that first person in my family right now to where like I've done something different. And so for me, my why is, um, you know, it's very important for me to where I can pass that knowledge on to my kids and my family and just in general, anyone who's willing to want to learn that information that I'm able to provide that for them. So, um, you know, I'm always looking to grow and learn and be better. Um, and it's for my family. Um, and not just for my kids. I mean, my mom. I just recently got her into investing with me. It took me a while, but um, you know, she had that mindset, and now she's actually studying to become a real estate agent um, to take her test and uh, you know start investing and buy her first rental property. So um, that actually really excites me because she was really like hesitant and kind of against um, you know investing and. I've worked hard for this money and I'm going to keep it and I'm not going to lend it. And um, I had to try to explain to her, like, you have money just sitting that's not growing whatsoever. Like you can be making, you know, a good interest rate on that. And so just by me being able to explain to her, because I've gained that knowledge from, you know, taking a risk and listening to other people and paying um, into coaching programs and investing in myself I can now share that with you know my mom, my grandpa, my kids as they grow up, so that's um one of my big whys of you know why I get up every day and I do this
0: i i mean I, I think that's that's really amazing, and I think it's really cool how you know you're the first in your family to really bridge. And expand yourself out into entrepreneurship. Like I, I totally can kind of understand that, and I I, like I I was kind of smirking a little bit to kind of hear when I hear you like share that because I mean, for me, I came from like a you know I I I immigrated here to the states with my parents, right? And so they kind of had to build everything from the ground up, and they you know for them it was for the for the most part of my parents like careers and my life growing up it was all about that nine to five, and it was all about like just saving up money the old school way. Right. Not realizing that, hey, you can take your money and let it go. Make use that money and have it make more money for you. Um, I think that was a concept that was kind of foreign, even for like for me growing up. And then it really, you know, I saw it firsthand in my family. Like it took my dad getting, you know, laid off after he'd been in his nine to five job for like, goodness, like probably like 20 years, you know, no, no, thank no thanks. No, nothing. Right. It's just like, hey, you know, see ya. you. are got like, we're, you know, we're, we're eliminating your job to see him then start getting into like entrepreneurship, building out his own business. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, it kind of opens up a whole new world for you and just new thought processes. Um, like Shane, I mean, you've kind of been in this arena of building like your, your business and like kind of being an entrepreneur for, for a lot of your life. But like, what do you think about that whole thing?
1: Well, it's interesting because like he's obviously Anthony, you're changing your family legacy. And it's interesting because like my, you know, my parents are immigrants as well. I was actually the first one born in the U.S. My parents immigrated from Portugal and, um, you know, they both, you know, my mom, well, they both did, you know, low level labor jobs, canneries, you know, um, in the orchards, pruning trees and stuff. My my mom, I think was, she worked at, like, they used to work like the pajama factory. You know, they kind of started with really low entry level jobs and then, she uh, went to cosmetology school. And so she started cutting hair. Eventually she opened her own business. You know, my dad went to work for a big commercial contractor and then he ended up starting his own construction company. So my parents both owned their own businesses until they retired. And my mom really pushed my dad to invest, which I don't even know what inspired them, but they have a lot of rental property that they bought. So they, they realized the American dream from scratch, you know, like no hand-me-downs, no family money, whatever. And so it's you know, being the first one born in this country, um, you know, you I guess as far as choosing a nine to five or being an entrepreneur, if you ask my mom, she would have always pushed a nine to five because she thinks that it's too risky and too crazy, which is kind of funny because ironically, she kind of went out on her own. But um, <laughs> but yeah, what I was going to say, though, is that, you know, for me, I I don't know, it's just I could never I can't deal with the structure of like corporations or like the like the levels of like I feel like it's a lot of BS. I like to go straight to the source. I think I just, I ended up falling into entrepreneurship, I think, because I, because um, I don't know, because I don't uh, you know behave with authority. I don't know. I'm a rebel, I guess, to a certain extent. But no, I, I think that once you get a taste of, I think the biggest thing, which maybe you guys want to talk about this, because obviously, especially like Anthony and your business and what you do for your living, I mean, leverage was a big keyword for me. Like I knew that if I was just going to trade time for money, that it was going to take a long freaking time to get there. You know, when I was in junior college, I was a union dishwasher in a restaurant at a golf club and I still remember I was making six sixty an hour, <laughs> $6.60 an hour. I mean, think about that for a second. Like, holy crap. I mean, can you imagine trading your life for like a couple hundred bucks a week? I mean, it's, so it's like, I think when I realized that, you know, I could build something and build a machine and then generate, you know, more income through leverage and kind of doing things my way that, that kind of got me going that journey. Um, I mean, I think with everything you got going, I mean, don't you think maybe leverage is part of it for you? your investments as well?
2: Oh yeah. Leverage is definitely a big key. I mean, back in high school, I, man, I used to think I was, you know, doing big things and I used to make $500 a week working at Marshall's. (laughs) So I get it. Um,
1: Doing big things compared to me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but no, definitely leverage. I mean, even with all my projects um, that we have going on, um, I have guys working right now and um, you know, I don't do any of the work on any of my properties, but that's also me, you know, leveraging my time and my money um, and know what's what's important. Because, like, you know, I don't have the trade skills of going to a property and, you know, remodeling a bathroom. Um, I could learn it. I could definitely, you know, go on YouTube, the University of YouTube and, you know, Google, all that type of stuff and, you know, try to figure out how to put tile in and set a bathtub and all of that. But, you know, how much time that would take me. To be able to try to figure that out, so yeah, I leverage that to other contractors that I hire, so that I'm able to do what I'm good at, go out and find the deals, find the money, and you know buy more properties, so that we can continue expanding our business. So leverage is huge in terms of you know expanding and growing.
1: Yeah, and that's same with us. You know, like I'm um, you know full service and um have a construction crew, and I mean we pretty much you know when it comes to selling houses we we do everything. We either have everybody in house or then we have the relationships. And um, I grew up building because my dad was a contractor. So I can actually do that stuff. I mean, I still have my tool belt. <laughs> actually, it's kind of therapeutic. I enjoy it. I just don't have time either. I just manage just like you. You got to think about what your, what your time is worth, like what your hourly rate is. And then you got to be sure to delegate things that don't hit that minimum, right? I mean, you probably have that minimum number in your head, like what you should do, what you shouldn't do.
2: Yeah, and you know, I um I'm bad at this because I have a problem letting
1: go of some of power. Oh a control freak in real estate shocker. (laughs) I know. Kind of know what that's like. Yeah,
2: so you know, I will I will go to Home Depot and pick up the bag of mulch and things like that because I mean, I guess for me if I feel like if I can get it done quicker and get it the project completed. You know, I'm just going to go do it. I don't want to have to tell somebody and be the middleman to have to go do it and then have to micromanage and be like, hey, did you get that done? Oh, no, I didn't get a chance yet. And I'm like, okay, it should have been done, you know, three hours ago. But, you know, so there are some things that I have an issue with, you know, letting go, but I'm working on that. <laughs>
1: You run like a little military camp three hours ago. Wow, yeah.
2: <laughs> man! Time is money. Time is money.
1: What happens if we interview your employees? <laughs> what are they going to say? <laughs> we love Anthony, our boss. He Marches around like good little soldiers. <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, and I. And I think that's, I mean, that's one of the hardest things, right? Like starting out a business, building out a team is, is being able to let go. Like, cause I think we all have a certain standard that we hold ourselves to and that we hold our business to. And so it's, it's the scariest thing. Like you said, Anthony, to try to hand that off to somebody else. Um, So like, what, like, how have you gone about building out like one identifying and two building out and managing like your teams, like what's been successful for you so far?
2: So for me, to be honest with you, so I've been investing now for two and a half years. Um, this will be our complete third year this year. And this year, the first year that, you know, I started building a team. The last two years prior, um, we did 12 deals in the last two years, um, just starting out. And, you know, it was all me. Um, I managed the contracting crews, I found the money, I went, I, I did all the designs, um, and on top of all of that, <clears throat> you know, doing those twelve dear, deals over the last, you know, two years, I had my nine to five. I had my kids, where we were going to soccer practice and gymnastics and hip hop dance, and um, you know, going to school and doing homework, and then my making time for my wife and yeah. um, you know, finding time for date nights and just all of that. Like you know, it was a lot. So this year was actually it was actually the first year that you know I started building up my team. And what I kind of identified was if I want to grow my business, I have to let go of, you know, some aspects of it to where I can't be everywhere at all times. Um, you know, we were, I was doing it and I was finding deals, but what I was doing was I was leaving a lot of money on the table because deals would come through and I'm like, I don't have time to look at that. or I don't have time or the energy to be able to, you know, go speak with that property owner because I have, these two are the deals that I'm working on right now that, is requiring all my time, and so this year um, I, identif- I identify like what position do I need that will help me grow. Um, so I actually partnered with somebody that um, you know I met through one of my coaching programs, and she's handling all the acquisition side to where I don't have to worry about talking to the property owners, managing my VAs, um, locking up the contracts. Um, also, that's the stuff that. I don't necessarily like out of the business. So identify, you know, what I didn't like out of what I liked the least out of doing out of the business. That was a uh, time drain for me in my daily business. And I found someone who was already doing it, who was good at it to where, you know, now I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Um, deals come in uh, because she's locked them up. And then I handle everything on the back end, which is what I do enjoy. I enjoy designing and working with the contractors and the dispo. Um, so, you know, it, It alleviated a lot of um, pressure off of me and gave me back a lot of my time to where I can now focus on um, the back end side of once we actually acquire the deal, then I get to work. So um, what's going to be next here is probably project manager to where I don't have to be going out to the projects as much and managing the contracting crews as much and all that type of stuff to where I'll just manage one person and then they manage everything. So we are slowly growing uh, the business and, um, you know, identifying what needs that we have. And, um, also to just identifying like, you know, what I want my business to look like. Um, because I could do this to where, you know, I just, I do three to five deals a year and kick back and, you know, make decent money. Or do I want to have like a multi-million dollar business to where we have a team and growing that out? So that's also something that, you know, people should recognize and what they, what they want out of their business as well.
0: I, and I think that's super important. That's like, it's one of the things like Shane and I, like, you know, we talk about even on our other podcast episodes, I think it's really understanding like your, why your long-term vision. Um, and then once you have that vision and I love what you're doing is you're, you're slowly like you, you've built out a roadmap for yourself, for yourself, for your business, how you're going to continue to grow and scale. And you're kind of slowly putting in kind of the systems and the people in the right positions to, to be able to allow your business to do that. And I think that's, that, that's really, really cool.
2: Yeah, and and I, I, you know, I found it beneficial that you know being in all the roles um, that I was doing, now I know like what I want to look for out of the people to be able to incorporate them into my business, um, to where I can actually vocalize what I want at exactly. the to of hiring somebody and being like, this is this is what I think you should do. So let me know if it worked out for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right no, exactly and I, and I think and I think that's key. It's like unless you've done it, you really don't know how to get in depth with the conversation. like I you know it was funny you you as you were talking about that, I was also thinking kind of my own journey like hiring my VA to do a lot of my social media, my like real editing and everything else. you know I was able to train her up to do a to do kind of what it is I needed because I spent those hours, those miserable horrible hours like at the beginning trying to edit my own damn videos and it was a pain in the butt. But it got me like used to like, OK, these are the tools that you use, right? The, this is what I like to look for in this in this video. Like this is how I want to communicate and be able to do my edits. So I get my message across. This is how I want to do my thumbnails. And that's like to your point, like once you do that, then you can communicate all of that to somebody else. I mean, you have to put the time in up front to train them on it. But once you do, once you clearly communicate that, then they can hit the ground running and, and kind of help you out.
2: Yeah. And, you know, we're learning that in our Airbnb business as well, because we we started out with, um, you know, just hiring out the cleaning. And so through a couple of, you know, people coming in and some feedback and things like that, we're like, okay, maybe we need to do the cleaning so that we can actually put a list together. And, you know, this is where you start, this is where you finish, this is the Key things you need to look for. And so now we're doing our own cleanings right now for the Airbnbs that we have so that we can put that list together so that when we do rehire for our cleanings, we're able to better explain that. So it it's a, it happens in a lot of aspects of our businesses to where, you know, we should probably be doing um, the work up front so that we have that knowledge. Now, of course, we don't know everything. And that's why we grow and that's why we hire and learn. And that's why we hire the experts for their expertise. But um, I feel like you, you should have, know a little bit about what you're, what you're doing and don't just hire someone and be like, here, here you go. Here's all the reins. And I have no idea what you're doing, but there you are.
0: I know. Right. No, seriously.
1: <laughs> are you, are you in markets? Like, I mean, obviously I know some of the markets you're in, but is there like, do you just work in markets that you're super familiar with? Because obviously when you're hiring and bringing people in to do your different parts of the, process I mean you probably want to feel confident that you know more than they do as far as you know being able to check on them like do you have like certain regional boundaries or what markets like how far are you going right now so
2: um that is a great question because you know a lot of people are like oh I just go where the market's hot and for me I like to play in my own backyard so I do stay in my own markets I, I typically stay in my backyard Um, So since I'm located out of Stockton, I do Stockton, Lodi, Tracy, um, Modesto and Sacramento since I've lived in Sacramento. um, I have done some deals in the Bay Area. Um, Didn't feel as confident about it. And I think it showed. Um, But, you know, that's just one of those things to where if I do plan on expanding out, I think um, I told myself I need to do more market research and actually know the area before I do that again. Um, but yeah, I typically tend to stay in my own backyard. Um, we are planning on, you know, expanding. I do want to go to like Ohio, um, and, uh, possibly Vegas. We've talked we're talking about going into Vegas as well. Um, but you know, I go to Vegas so much that it's easier for me to be able to talk to a lot of the network that I've made out there and, you know, do my market research to learn that, um, Ohio, it might be a different story a little bit. It might take me a little bit longer to get out there. But um yeah, I definitely like to be in play in areas
1: that I know. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I've actually in our network we've connected with people everywhere. Obviously, Vegas, we have a strong connection. It sounds like you know some of the same people, but yet it's um it's interesting though too, because through some of these networking, you know, events and different things I've been to lately, like I've met, you know, people that are doing a lot more commercial and industrial investment, like big multifamily and stuff they do a ton of market research. And so there's a couple of people. In fact, afterwards, if you want, I can connect you too. So you have them, but there's a couple of people that, in fact, I recently spoke with a guy who they're doing more research than anyone to go into these markets and they're kind of way ahead of the curve. You know, like one thing I didn't know right now is like, for instance, like warehouse space, you know, is, you know, really good. And, um, I believe it was, yeah, it was Houston. Like Houston's a great place for like commercial warehouse space. And then like, you know Tennessee right now for residential, like Tennessee's been really hot, which you've probably heard some things. But, but there are people out there that that do you know get out there and get after it with their market research. And like you were saying, like we only have so much time or we only can do so much. It it was good to finally like find resources, like real resources, because who do you trust on the news now, right? Like what news do you like? What what do you? Even, Okay, Michael, I know why Michael's laughing because he thinks I'm gonna get like political or something. I'm not, <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, like, it's hard to trust, like, if you're not doing it yourself. But it's just yes. it, it's a, the country's so big, there's so many markets, like, you really have to find good sources. So, if you when you do look to expand, I mean, shoot, man, I'm happy to connect you with some of the sources that I found. I mean, they're pretty reliable. And uh, we also in our network have boots on the ground in a lot of places in the country. Like, if you are going to go to Ohio, I got a couple people I can introduce you to. In fact, One of them is a character. So I think you'd really enjoy getting to know these guys. I'm always
2: looking to, like I said, learn and grow. So, yeah, I'm definitely uh, would be interested in, you know, picking their brains about, you know, how they do their market research and what they look for. Um, Because, you know, we, we do all of this stuff and we think, you know, oh, we're doing it right. And we could be doing it completely wrong or not most efficiently. So I'm always looking for, you know, new networks and connections and just talking to people.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, they, you know, there's different ways to do things, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the other thing, too, is, you know, you mentioned the Bay Area and stuff. You know, don't forget about your friends here. If you had some stuff going on in the Bay Area, we can, yep, definitely, <laughs> sure. yeah, we can definitely support you in the in the Bay Area.
2: Yeah, awesome. Uh, we actually have a deal, possibly a duplex coming up in Oakland, I think it is. So we're working on that one right now. So I'll definitely keep nice. you posted. Because uh, Oakland's one of those um, cities where, like, you know, it's, it's literally street to street, not even block to block, to where you buy something on a um, good street over here, and then next street over is like, uh, what I walk into. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I was working on a duplex in Stockton. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> I won't say too much because I'm going to get myself in trouble, but I'm just <laughs> saying, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's like, you know, it's good to scout it during the day. Yeah. Um, cause it's a whole nother world at night, but yeah, but yeah no, I, I hear you. I hear well, you. If
2: you need some uh, boots on the ground in Stockton, let me know. I'll walk, i walk
1: there. Oh no, for sure. I don't, that's the thing is I had to drive through there cause I didn't have boots in Stockton. And, um, you know, it's yeah, I, Found out really quickly why it was only (laughs) $90,000. I mean, I got out of there safely, but I did realize why it was only (laughs) $90,000. Yeah, so
2: yeah, you know, I grew up in Southside Stockton, so um, I'm pretty familiar with the majority of Stockton.
1: Thanks
0: for joining us for today's episode. Now, if you're watching on YouTube or streaming this on your podcast platform, if you could do us a favor, leave a comment down below and let us know where you're listening or watching the show from today. It greatly helps with the algorithm and helps us get reach out to more people who need or want to hear what we have to say. We greatly appreciate it and now back to the show.
1: With everything that's been going on with real estate investing and just the changing the migration of people moving, you know, around the country, so many people live in California and even within cities like places that were tough, you know, tough areas growing up that have, you know, been like uh, what's the term like regentrified? I mean, it's just the movement, the movement of what's been happening and then what's been happening with rents, like with rents, you know, versus income in those pockets. And it's, you know, in a lot of ways, I mean, there's some positives where, you know, they've kind of cleaned up a lot of the crime in some areas, but then they've also created more poverty because now a lot of these folks can't really afford to rent, you know, and it's just, it's kind of a, as an investor, you know, like, I mean... Where are you at like when it comes to like the morality of that? Like where, where are you at in your head when it comes to that?
2: I feel like it's a tough situation because rents. So I've done a little bit of market research on rents, and rent historically is one of those things that rent just goes up. It never goes back down. It's not like, you know, mortgages where, you know, housing prices go up and they go down and they go up and they go down and they fluctuate. Once rents go up and they hit like, you know, a new market rate. They don't tend to go down. And I I think what one of the um, data points that I saw was, um, and this has been since like 1960, I think it was, when I looked at it, um, rents historically don't go back down. So it's like, okay, we're at an average market uh, rental rate of like what? Twenty one hundred dollars right now, or something like that, and it's like oh, it,
1: thirty five hundred here for a two bedroom.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs>
2: that's, that's more than my three my three thousand square foot house that I pay. That's crazy, but yeah, it, it you know rents don't go back down. So this median price range are um, you know people in the regular working world like they can't afford it without having a roommate or something along those lines. Like you cannot afford your own um, property to just rent these days. And it's
1: crazy. Yeah, no, it's it's true. But I guess, and maybe I didn't make it or I didn't really clearly ask the question, but I guess what I was trying to say too, which that, I mean, I I'm happy to hear about this as well, but I guess what I was trying to say is as an investor, Mm -hmm. when you come upon opportunities, do you ever have any emotion about knowing that you might be alienating, you know, people in your investment properties that you're buying? Like, how do you feel about that? To
2: be honest, um, you know, I got into real estate because back in 2010, when I started in real estate, like as much as um, I love the freedom of it, like there were so many foreclosures and short sales and things like that um, in Stockton in general. And that's, you know, where I do real estate at. One of my big whys then was I want to educate people that they are able to buy a house um, that you can buy a house, that there are funds out there to help you because you know, the American dream, people think that it's so un- so unobtainable and it's actually really not. Like there are ways that you can get into properties for very little money. And then, and this was the case, you know, back in 2010, A little bit different these days, especially with, you know, rates being so high and things like that. And people have to be able to afford that. But when I, when I go into properties, um, and I'm looking at this stuff. I don't look at it as I'm putting somebody out because a lot of the properties that I'm buying, you know, these people can't they, they can't buy with a regular FHA loan anyways because the house is just so beat up. So the way I'm looking at it as I am revitalizing this neighborhood and allowing a family to be able to purchase this, you know, beautiful home once we finish it um, as to where before they wouldn't have been able to. So, I mean, the houses that we're looking at, they are the beat up ones that don't qualify. The ones with holes in the roofs, foundation issues. Um, you know, just things don't work to be able to qualify you for a regular loan. So, we're not putting the regular FHA buyer out by any means. At least, you know, our our company's not, um, because we're looking for those beat up properties. No, I mean, there are every now and then where we find a property that you know may just be a cosmetic fixer up or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're still making it a much better house than what it was before. So,
1: yeah. And I wasn't trying to throw you, like, I wasn't trying to get you judged or anything. I was just curious. Cause you know, it's like you, cause you seem to like really come at the business with the analytics, like in the, like, it looks like you make really good business decisions. Right. And it just, I was just curious from an you know, emotional standpoint, you know, where you're at. Cause like, I mean, during those times I was doing a lot of short sales and selling bank owned homes. And, um, you know, I found myself soft sometimes on the REOs, like cash for keys. Sometimes they weren't giving enough money. I would write them a check in on my own account, you know, just because I, you know, certain situations where I, you know, felt bad. But at the same time, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's kind of like part of the food chain. You know, it's part of life. It's just, that's just the way things go. But I think that the most important thing is always to just treat people like, you know, be respectful of how you treat people and, you know, try to help people out. And that's what I've always done but also be careful not to be taken advantage of because that's, you know, I I was also, you know, when you're a good salesperson, you fall for a good pitch. And, uh, you know, I've been, you know, bamboozled for lack of a better word, more than once, you know, where, you know, some, some of these people are like scam artists, you know what I mean? It's like, you really got to, you really got to, you know, not get wrapped up as much in the emotion. But, but I just curious, because I mean, I know that, you know, obviously as an investor, you do go, you know, after distressed properties and situations like that. I was just, you know, curious how, how you dealt with that because you seem like you're so down to business, which is a good thing. Totally a good thing. Yeah, no,
2: definitely. And, um, you know, we just kind of come across this in one of the recent deals we're working on. Uh, we had to give cash for keys to a tenant. Um, and, you know, he wasn't able to move, wasn't able to afford a He U-Haul, wasn't able to afford a storage. Um, so I mean, we worked with him as much as we could as best as possible. I even went down and, you know, I purchased the, I, pur- I purchased him a whole month of, um, you know, a storage unit for him so that he was able to move his things. And, uh, you know, I didn't just kick him out the street. Of course not. And so we, we try our best to help, um, the distressed owners and tenants in these situations because our goal is not to, you know, put anybody out by any means necessary. But, right. Um, you know, business is business and I try not to get too emotionally involved And I find myself, I do get emotionally involved because I do care about my community. And that's one of the things that, like I said, when I first started real estate, like I wanted to be able to build my community back up. Now I'm in the position to where I'm able to purchase these distressed properties and make them nice again for families to own. As for when I first started, you know, I wasn't able to do that. I was just able to, you know, provide the knowledge and information for people to be able to get into homes when, you know, they didn't otherwise think they could. So Mm -hmm. um, I've always come from the perspective of I want to help revitalize and rebuild my community. I'm just doing it in two different ways now.
0: Yeah. That, that educational aspect of it, I think is super key that like the way that you started with it too, because I think it's not yeah. something that, you know, people are, you know, taught like growing up or going in school. It's not, you know, like you, you learn the chemistry, you learn the biology, you learn the math, but you don't really mm-hmm. learn these like, you know, practical skills and knowledge bases to like, yeah. You know, to really help you in life. I think we don't cool. learn any of this stuff. I
2: mean, I literally just came across, um, on Instagram. It was an ad, but, uh, financial literacy flashcards that I actually jumped on and bought for my kids because like even just students flashcards, like they don't teach us this stuff at school. Like what's an overdraft fee? Right. Like they don't, even in my finance class, like in college, like they don't teach
0: us any of that. It's all theoretical. It's never like practical, right? And like, no, I I, I love the fact that you're doing that for your kids. Like in the future when I have kids, um, like I would want to do the same thing. Like, you know, just really teach them how to manage like your money.
2: Yeah. And one of my goals, um, you know, once I actually get the business actually rolling and um, I'm trying to get my kids involved in it like now, but in the next couple of years, like I want to give them a project. To where they're gonna be purchasing a property. And I'm gonna go through the steps with them of, um, you know, what do you look for and why are are we buying this property in this area? Or why are we potentially gonna buy this property in this area? And, you know, how to remodel it and that type of stuff. And um, the goal is to be, once we buy that property, that's gonna be their property to do with, like, you know, whether it be sell it to go to college and use the funds or 1039 to change it or whatever it may be. But um, I feel like that's a much better life skill that I'm able to provide them, and also too, it's a great piggy bank. Like that asset's going to grow way more than you know me just putting some money in the bank for a school fund for them. Um, and so I think it, it. I think for me, if I'd have had something like that um, growing up, um, I would have greatly appreciated that. But you know, we know we only know what we know. I mean, my my mom um, and dad, they they didn't know anything in terms of investing. And that's why uh, I feel like knowledge is such a great implementation to be able to provide to my family and friends and whoever in general. And this is also why we, we hold uh, monthly meetups and things like that, because I'm trying to expand the knowledge and the community base um, in Stockton, in the Central Valley, because there's a bunch of, you know, networking events in the Bay Area, a bunch of networking events in Sacramento, but nothing like in the central location. So we're starting that as well.
0: That's awesome. A lot more helpful than organic chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, let, I, I want to talk about it cause you're doing, you're doing so much and you mentioned this like early on, um, you know, you, you, you have to make time for date night. You have to make time for your, for your kids, your work, all your jobs. Um, mm-hmm. I know you're, you're bringing on, you know, people to help you run different parts of the business and hopefully that'll free you up more. But like, you know, how have you been so successful with like managing your time and, and balancing those things? Have there been any sacrifices you've had to make along the way?
2: Definitely sacrifices. And, um, you know, to use the word successful, if not successful all the time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The wife does, you know, get mad at me quite often and things like that. Um, I'm trying to incorporate her more into the business as well so that, you know, we can talk about these things and, um, you know, be together while we're doing some of these things to where it, it allows us time together more so to where I'm just like, I got to go work on the business. No, I'm like, hey, I'm going to look at this property. You want to come with me? And so that type of stuff um, has helped me to where it, it it allows me to be able to spend more time like with my wife. And that's also too, like even with the kids, like I take my kids and it's like, hey, we're going to go look, at, um, designing this property. You want to go help me pick out some furniture or paint colors or whatever. So something exciting for them to be able to do as well. So for me, incorporating my family into my business has helped me tremendously in terms of, you know, being able to share this with them also to being able to spend more time with them.
0: All right. That, um, and, and that aligns with the whole education, all aspects of it too. Right? Yeah,
2: so. exactly. So
0: I'm learning as I grow
2: or I'm learning as I go really. And so, um, you know, I'm implementing things that I think will work. And then, you know, also when I find if they do work or don't work, you know, readjusting from there. But no, you definitely got to, you know, be, have a schedule. Um, It really helps. And, you know, whether you're scheduling out date nights or, you know, making sure that you, um, you know, blocking out time for your family or like, even if it's like, okay, at seven o'clock from seven to nine, shutting my phone off. Um, watching, doing dinner, watching a movie, spending time with the kids, playing board games. Um, Luckily for me, my kids love Monopoly and cash flow. Well, there you go. (laughs)
0: quite often your your kids are gonna your kids are gonna just dominate the world when they grow (laughs) up that's
1: that's that's a first nowadays and it's probably the old board game it's not even on like an ipad or something
2: yeah yeah. so growing up i love monopoly and um so i used to collect them i have probably about 20 different monopoly boards from 3d 3D Star wars to ghettoopoli so which
0: one's your favorite which one's your favorite um to
2: be honest um I like my
1: Pokemon. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right, hey, yeah, I love the Pokemon. To... I didn't know there was one of those. I, yeah, I just either. I have I gotta see which ones I still have because I have some old boxes up stored up in the garage. And mm-hmm. um, there was like there was some nice sets that came out. I think I went that was wood, even like yep. I mean there's some nice yeah. there's some nice sets that came out. I didn't realize that they had so many different themes. Did you say Ghetto Monopoly? Is that ghetto- what I heard? Ghettoopoly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so what's Park Place in ghettoopoly
2: Um, you know what? I had never opened it. It is still in the wrapping.
1: Ooh, collector's item. Oh, that's gonna be a collector's <laughs> item. That's gonna, worth, that's gonna be worth some money.
2: Oh well you know what? Well see, but yeah, I don't know why I started collecting them when I when I was younger, but I did. And so, I don't know. Um, I really like Monopoly, but now uh, Cashflow is kind of like the stepped-up version of that. So, my, actually, my daughter really likes it. And I like it because it actually gives you like a financial statement that you have to fill out for the game. And so, it, it's a little bit uh, a step up above Monopoly. Have you guys played it?
1: Uh, with the new one? Uh, the Cashflow Robert, by Robert Kiyosaki. Oh, cash. Oh, I'm aware of that, but I haven't. Yeah, but I, I am aware of what that is. No, I was kind of my brain was stuck on he's over here with the Monopoly with his kids, and I, I collect shot glasses. What kind of a parent am I? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about that. I was like, what do I collect? It's like, oh, yeah, a shot glass. Hey, hey baby, you, you want to see where we've been? <laughs> 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 That's geography, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> this one's from this city. This one's from that city. That's from this place. Sorry. Anyway, yeah. go, doing go doing ahead with the characters. chains gonna, when
0: they grow up, they're going to be, uh, you know, world world adventurer. Anthony's kids when they grow up, they're just going to be moguls. They're going to dominate the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're going to own the jets that we're flying on. I know on. exactly. Thanks, <laughs> Anthony. <laughs>
0: that's
1: awesome. So hey, so this okay the cash flow thing with Robert Kiyosaki. So. It's an actual board game. Yeah, so
2: it's an actual board game, and um, it's kind of just the whole premises of the game is to get you out of the rat race. So the rat race of the nine to five, the um, every day, like you know, the credit cards and having kids and all that type of stuff. So it's, it's a pretty cool game. I actually bought some different board, um, some I actually bought multiple game board games, and we actually do a. Um, well, we've only had one so far, but a cash flow. Uh, Game day, to where um, you know a bunch of investors get together and just
1: play cash flow. That's actually a great idea. Great idea. That's actually yeah. great, even for like team building. I mean, that's a that's it, Michael. You got to put that one. No, in I there, was like, right?
0: I already made a note of that. I think we're gonna we're gonna borrow that idea.
2: That's oh yeah, no, great. definitely. Uh, let me know when the next
0: game day, is. I love to come out.
1: <laughs> Dude, for sure. Whiskey, we'll sure. wine, and
0: cash flow. How's that <laughs> for a hangout <laughs> night? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was just in Modesto a couple days ago. I mean, like Modesto to like Michael's house is only like an hour and a half, so that's easy. Well, are we are we doing at your house, Michael? (laughs) We we can do
0: it at my house. I'm I'm down. I'm down. I got I got place.
1: I'm further away, Anthony. I'm down in Aptos. Where? Aptos, just south of Santa Cruz, on the Monterey Bay. Oh shoot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm down by the ocean. Um, I'm in the sticks on the ocean.
2: <laughs> gotcha. My cousin lives on Santa Cruz, so we were just out there visiting him.
1: Okay, so you've seen how small and you know, yeah, yeah. I grew, <laughs> I grew up here. I like it. I'm not a city boy. I, I think we do
0: this, Anthony. You you bring cash for the game. Shane, you bring the meat, and then I got the I got the wine and the whiskey. There's the, and we just host people. Let's do it.
1: (laughs) Anthony Anthony doesn't know about my protein, my protein ways. I'm an avid saltwater fisherman and also, you know, good cook and love cooking meat and stuff. And I mean, heck, we've even raised our own beef on the ranch. It's just the last couple of years, just been too busy. I haven't really been doing that. The pastures just lay fallow, but, uh, um but yeah no I love to grill I love to eat no me too yeah we we actually the three of us do he just doesn't look like it um so do you no that wasn't a job that was just like he's got a better metabolism yeah. than I do so I mean Anthony do you like you know he started off by talking about you bench pressing cars and stuff do you is your workout routine involve lifting a lot of weight or what what do you do you have like a daily morning routine or what do you do
2: you know, I should have a daily routine. I really don't. Um, I'm really on and off with it, but I do um, enjoy working out and it is part of my daily life. Um, when I, when, you know, but there are, you know, there are those months where like I slack off and like, you know, I don't work out as much as I should. Um, I actually did wake up this morning and get my workout in. So yeah,
1: right, boy. Um,
2: my favorite part of my body though, is probably my chest. So I do that the most. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I'm I'm working towards five plates
1: right now. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> holy moly!
0: So how I introduced him at the beginning is not an exaggeration, guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's late leg day. Anthony was the brutal one when I was doing the full on at the gym. I got a pretty nice home gym, but it's funny because like you, I have end up focusing a lot on upper body. Like I'm lucky mm-hmm. if my lower body is actually. Pretty decent size because most guys, especially as they get older, don't have much lower body. But uh, but yeah, leg day was brutal, right? Everybody hated leg day. I still but, hate, um,
2: I still hate leg day. I mean, who would have much that I should. Well, that's
1: the thing is, I can't say I hate it because I haven't been doing it enough. I do like cardio or all those other types of, you know, yeah. tennis. Like yesterday on Fridays, is tennis. I was at a tennis club yesterday. But it's like, um, you know, it's funny because the reason I mentioned that is because it's like your favorite thing doing chest. Like I find myself doing. A lot more sets of, like, the stuff that I like.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, for leg day, since I don't like doing it so much in the gym, what I try to do is um, when I go golfing, I just walk the course. So, you know, get that cardio in. Plus, it's a decent leg workout in terms of your calves and your, your quads and things, so.
0: Between honestly, between the workouts and the organic chemistry, I feel like I'm the black sheep in this trifecta right now. I was like, I, lo- I love leg days. I, <laughs> I I I used to do a lot of long distance running, um, like mm-hmm. after I after I like finished college and like it was in my like early 30s. I was doing like marathons, half marathons. I do orange theory today, and I just I yeah the leg days, the sumo squats, the squats, everything. I love that. So sorry, sorry guys, I feel the black <laughs> yeah, sheep. I go in my corner that. now. <laughs>
2: Like with football, you know, we just do sprints. We don't do any sort of long-distance running.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just going to ask you, so you did play some football?
2: Yeah, so I played in high school um, and, you know, tight end. And so it was one of those things that were, like, I was too big to play Pop Warner, so I never played until I got into high school. And the coach was like, we need you on the team. So I played in high school for a little bit, um, you know, got some – actually some scholarship – um, interests and things like that. Stanford, Brown, Sac State, uh, Oregon State. But, you know, it got really political my senior year and didn't end up going that route because they wanted me to major in certain things like communication. And I'm like, I don't want to be a communications major, but, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, easier workload to be able to focus on football. And I was just playing football just for fun. So for me, um, you know, as I had natural talent in it, It just, I wasn't trying to be like, I'm going to the NFL. So for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on what I want to focus on. And actually, instead of football, actually in high school, um, my senior year, what I did was I applied for Stanford Medical Youth Science Program and actually got into that. So I actually did that for the summer and um, didn't do football. So yeah, that was when I back when I was following my science career.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that you're making those kind of decisions when you were young, like that, shows to your maturity like I always felt like an older spirit like I felt like I was you know just mature and when at a young age like I felt like I don't but I mean you don't meet a lot of guys that are like you know like that's that's amazing you made that decision I love that you stuck to you saw the future you saw past because I thought the same thing like I got too like I got too small with all the conditioning before junior college you know football season started this local guy who had a conditioning gym he was our conditioning coach and um I was, only, I was like 5'10", 245, and I wasn't pretty solid at that weight when I played defensive tackle. That's small for defensive tackle. Well, by the end of summer, my fr- you know first year in junior college, they had me down to 205. I, like, I've like i never seen 205 since. That was like 20 years ago. But what I was going to say, though, is that you know I um, – well, actually, I'm lying to myself. It was like 25 years ago. But anyway, what I was going to say, though, is that it's interesting um, with um, – you know when you're in these kind of sports and you've spent like for some people since they were like five or six years old they've been practicing like if it's baseball or whatever it is and it's interesting because it's about that time in high school maybe going into college where some people just keep chasing that dream and and then they don't even guys that leave school early to go into the pros you know even if you had that time that you thought you'd go to the NFL like you've seen the sad stories, right? Like so many sad stories. They, they, you got to keep the, like you value the education and you value, you know, doing, you know, something much more than just playing a game. Because it is, I mean, people do get paid a lot to play these sports. They, they do become careers, but but I, I like that you kind of stuck to your guns. So uh, how big were you in high school? Like what were your stats? Like how tall and how heavy were you?
2: Uh, so I haven't grown anymore since high school. So that was 6'3", 275.
1: Damn. Nice. Yeah. So you had this size. No wonder they wanted you. Totally had this size. That's a hell of a size for a tight end. Yeah. I I never, I got the 511 and, you know, I'm thankful for that just because, you know, our culture are, you know, just, you know, I tower, like when I go to any kind of festivities, like I tower over our people, (laughs) like 511 is actually pretty darn good. It's And I'm lucky because my you know, grandfather, my mom's side happened to be their family line was tall, but um, you know, it's interesting because um, yeah, genetically, I, I didn't um quite have that, and um, you know, where we grew up, well, here on the coast, I mean, you know, I mean, our our high school and stuff was over seventy five percent Hispanic, and you know, Hispanic Portuguese, all of us, we're not tall people or big people, so like the big barrier teams, there's some big like because it's such like the big city, right? You can draw on a lot you know, more athletes. And it's crazy the size. Like, even in high school, we used to play against guys that are huge. Anyway, I'm going on my tangent, so I'm going to no, turn the okay. mic back on No, I was
0: going to say, uh, except for in West San Jose and Cupertino, where I grew up, you know, where you have, schools that are like Asian kids like me, and that's the football team. And so we never did well at any of those sports. Uh (laughs) Yeah. And Uh, it was crazy
2: because like, you know, people say I was big in high school, but I'm really, once you get into professionals and stuff like that, past high school, I'm not that big. (laughs) Because like most tight ends are like, you know, 6'5", 6'6", like the Travis Kelsey and things like that. I'm like, I'm not that big. So like I would have had to move to like a defensive end or something like that. And uh, I'm not that quick. I mean, I ran like a, a four, eight, nine in uh, high school. But, you know, those guys were like a four fives, So, five, four, fours. So yeah,
1: okay. I, Isn't that crazy? Yeah.
0: The higher you go. Yeah.
1: Well, that's why they were trying to move me to linebacker. And I'm like, I'm not going to learn a new position in college. That's when that's when that decision that you made, like, I'm just going to stick to my education, what I want to do. So, did you play on the golf team by chance?
2: I did. Coach didn't like that either because it interfered with uh, <laughs> Dude, conditioning.
1: Dude, I played on both. I played football and golf. That is hilarious. <laughs> I was just going to ask you that because you said you played golf as well. Yeah. In high school, I played on both the football and the golf team. Same here. You know, when guys are younger, they give you a hard time. I used to get razzed by the football team all the time. Oh, you yeah. play golf. <laughs> you know, it's like such a like... Not masculine thing to do, I guess, at the time. Now they probably all and- oh, yeah. No, I mean,
2: I played on the football team. I played on the golf team, and I was also that nerd that went to the science room and played Yu-Gi-Oh at lunch. So. Oh, I love know. it!
0: I love it. The Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> reference between the Yu-Gi-Oh and the Pokemon, man, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, Anthony, I I, I want to kind of wrap up with a couple of questions. I mean, I yeah. I, I feel like you know, I love getting the chance to have gotten to know you a little bit better during this, during this interview today. You know, I feel like, you know, you're super, just a very curious and passionate person. Um, and I was wondering, like, just for our audience, can you kind of give us like three words or or principles that you like live your life by? Uh,
2: yeah. Um, integrity. I'm very big on integrity. Um, you know, what I say I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to do. And, um, I feel like that helps me with a lot of, uh, business that I do, especially with property owners who are distressed, and um, you know things like that. You know they have their their guard up, and so like my word is my bond. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Um, honesty uh, is a very big one, especially in my business, because you know we have to trust in other people in this business a lot. Like you know we deal with a lot of money. And so, you know, someone, you know, they'll, they'll wire $300,000 into your account and you have to be able to trust that they're going to pay you back and do what they say they're going to do. So, so um, integrity, honesty are very big. And then also, too, um, loyalty is a big one for me because, um, you know, if being loyal to somebody and, you know, putting your trust in that person, um, that right there is something that those 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 three things are very big, and that's what I kind of strive off in my, in my business. And those are people that I want to work with. Yeah. Um, and even in business, like I want to work with people that I can trust, and you know I can believe in their word, and they're going to be have integrity about themselves. Like they're not going to do somebody dirty because um, you know it's going to call for a good payday. Like that's not cool. And so like you know you can abide by those, and that's who I kind of want to surround myself with as well in my business. Um, because I love networking, I love talking to people, I love learning and growing with people and being able to find people that have similar goals, interests, and beliefs. Um, that's that's huge.
0: Yeah, no, that that's incredibly important. And I know Shane and I Ly- Shane and I both like that. That's like a key principle that we live by too is you know, work with the people that y- you like and you enjoy working with. Um and it makes a huge difference um over the course of over the course of your career. Um so the last question we want to end with that we ask all of our guests is, you know, we on this podcast we try to help other agents, you know, take their business really to to new levels. And so for you, like if you were starting a new like real estate production business today, knowing everything that you know, everything that you've learned, how would you go about doing it today from the ground up?
2: From the ground up, um, starting out, I mean, definitely get yourself a coach. To me, that's number one. That's one of the first things that I did starting out. Um, you got to invest in yourself because no one else is going to do it for you. So investing in yourself, getting yourself a coach, someone that's doing um, what you're, that you want to do. They're already doing it and following their blueprint. That's one of the biggest things I feel like in starting any type of business it doesn't have to be um, just real estate, but you know, anything you're looking to do, get a coach that's doing the business and the things that you want to do. And, you know, just reach out and see if they can get mentor you or, you know, be a fly on the wall, um, even if it's a paid um, coaching program. So, number one, get a coach. And then also, too, you got to have consistency in learning what you want to learn. Um, you have to be consistent and on an everyday basis, you know, put those reps in, um, doing it every day, whether it's cold calling or whether it's, you know, making um, – Your phone calls or your text messages or just pulling up lists and leads and door knocking, whatever it is that you're looking to do. You have to have consistency because if you start something and like, oh, I I did it for five hours this week, but I only did it for an hour this week or oh, I did it for six hours this week and I only got a chance to do it for 30 minutes this week, you're not going to gain any type of momentum. So, um Coaching and consistency to be able to start your business are very two very important things that you know I kind of did when I first started. Um, I was consistent. I put the reps in. I got a coach that was able to help me and mentor me. And any questions I had, I was able to you know pick up the phone and you know ask those questions. Um, cut the learning curve tremendously. Um, so those are the two kind of tidbits and tips that I would give for someone looking to get started into a business: um, be consistent and get a coach.
1: Consistency is like. <laughs> I mean, Michael's laughing. I like. I preach that. Like that's, yeah. Especially in in our business. I mean, yeah. real estate. Like it's that's the probably the number one reason for failure. With a lot of the new agents, honestly. It you is, know, and so. I feel like a lot of you know. I feel like that's a
2: huge reason for failure in any in anything that you do in life. Like you know, you you never know when you're going to make that breakthrough, and um, you know, you you're grinding and grinding and grinding, grinding. You're like, oh, this isn't working. But it could have literally been that next phone call that you make could have been like your breakthrough to where you had a million dollar deal on the table, but you stopped calling. You yeah. just never know. Right.
0: And, and, and that's where I think like knowing knowing your why too, right? Knowing what yeah. it is you're working for, um, you know, will help um, kind of maintain that consistency even when you don't have, you know, the, the immediate results that that you're hoping
1: for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, we could go on about that That's one. That's a whole today. different topic for another whole yeah. different
0: episode. Um, well, Anthony, we really appreciated having you on, man. And like, if our audience wants to connect with you, um, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: Uh, Instagram at uh, FlippinAnt209 is probably the best way. Um, I'm... On there, or someone's monitoring that, like usually 24 seven at some point. But, um, that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, we are also on Facebook, just, uh, Anthony Nelson, our DNA home investments.com, or actually DNA home solutions.com. And we just, we're rebranding. Um, so yeah, DNA home And also, uh, like I said, flipping at 209 on Instagram.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Anthony. It was great meeting you and, and having yes, you. On. Thank you guys so much and, for having
2: uh, me. I really appreciate you.
0: All right, cool. Uh, And we'll catch everyone on the next episode of the Top Producing Zone podcast.